0: Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational
1: message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. We're going to finish our series we've been in for several weeks now, Our God of Abundance. We're in Part 6, and this is the final one, and I hope this this has helped you and blessed you, encouraged you and uh, strengthened you and educated you on what the Bible has to say about our God. He's not a stingy God. He's God of abundance, the God of more than enough. El Shaddai, the all-sufficient sustainer. The one who has the power to bless you despite your circumstances. That's why we don't don't lean heavy on our circumstances. We lean heavy on He who has the power to bless us in every circumstance. And we saw through much scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, what is in the heart of God concerning abundance. At the very beginning, He created the world and told man and and woman to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And uh, talked to Abraham about the abundance that he would bring in his life. And Abraham believed God, and God told him that he would multiply his descendants in the earth. And we are all here today as children of God, also children of Abraham. And, and what, because of what Jesus did for us, not only did he die for our sins, thank God that he did that, I mean, but he also removed the curse of sin and death from our lives. He removed the curse of the law from us. He became a curse and we became blessed with that blessing that was upon Abraham. And that blessing is, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. And, uh, and if we're Christ, then we are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise what that means is what god gets abraham gets what abraham gets you and i get it's glorious we're all children of abraham by faith in jesus so we all come into this thing called grace called salvation And i thank god for his great salvation but we've been looking at this subject of um our abundant god who is able to do so much more than we ever asked or dreamed and, and he wants to do that not only not only is he able but he's also willing You know, it's not enough to just know God can. You need to know that God will, too. You need to know that He will. And He will. He has proven His goodwill toward us in sending His own Son to die for us. And that showed us the heart of God. The Scripture says God demonstrated His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Thank God that His love wasn't waiting on us to Respond or straighten up or act up because it's, it's an unconditional love. The scripture says he has loved you and I with an everlasting love. Long before we ever even showed up, he loved us. Yeah. He loved you. Right. Come on, just turn to somebody and tell them those simple words, God loves you. Just tell them that. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. It's true. It's really true. He really does love you. And, and he has so much in store for your life and if we could just get past what we see in the natural and, and really grab a hold of his word and to believe it, see, then faith pushes you into the realm of what is impossible now becomes possible. Yeah. Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. That's a marvelous truth that we need to pursue and get into our lives and to, to understand that, that all the potential is found in believing God. It takes you actually from potential to truth, to living in it, to reality. And I believe that God wants to take you from just what's, what can be into living in what can be. Not just showing you what can be, but watching you live in the realities of his promises. You know, it's cool to have a little promise book in your house, but it's, it's another thing to live in those promises, to experience them in your everyday life. Can I get a good amen? Amen. Yeah. All right, so yeah. we're going to start, uh, we're going to read our foundational scripture throughout this series, and we've been reading from the Amplified version, specifically the 2015 version of the Amplified, coming kind of an updated version, and then we'll get into some new things today. But if we can all read this together as we have done throughout this series. Ready? Read. Now, to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more than all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to his power that is at work within us. Now, let me ask you something. How many of you like that so far? Hmm? I love this word, super abundantly, more than we all dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams. This is, this is God showing himself and what he's able to do, and not only that, but what also he's willing to do. Verse 21, to him be the glory. In the church... And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Does that include this generation? Say that's my generation. Talking about my generation. Some of you older people will get that song. Okay, Jesus Christ, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Father, thank you for this time with your people. Lord, thank you that as I declare your word, that your word will do what it does. Your word is living, it's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword and it pierces even to the division of soul and spirit. That's how precise your word is. It can divide soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Lord, as I speak your word today, I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ to be upon all those that are here with us today. That you would illuminate their hearts, God that truth would come to them, that healing would come to them, that help would come to them, that comfort would come to them, that life would come to them through your word because it is life to all those who find it, and it is health to all of their flesh. Bless this time together, Lord. Thank you that you grace me to do this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Really, when it comes to living in the experience of abundance that God came to give you, it's, to hear it you know you need to hear about it first so that you can know what it's about but then to accept it to believe it for yourself and then you can live in it um and god blesses us with an abundance of so many things of joy it gives us an abundance of peace abundance of grace i thank god for his grace the scripture says where sin abounded grace abounded much more amen of life of health. An abundance of forgiveness and I don't have time to go into all the abundant things that God offers us and gives us but today we're going to get a little specific and we're going to get right into your living room right into your livelihood when it comes to the things that you possess the money that you make is that all right it's okay if we talk about money in church okay I'm not afraid to I'm not afraid to you know obviously I'm here only to get your money as our reputation is so might as well just okay whatever (laughs) let's talk about it not afraid to talk about it listen I I know what money is a tool money is a servant in the hand It's supposed to be a tool and a servant in our hands not never our master it makes a much better servant than it does a master and if you're working for money you're looking at this the wrong way money is supposed to be working for you amen so that it's not the object of your affection it's not your goal no it's just the tool that you use Your goal is to please God. Your goal is to bless. Is this mine? Thank you. Your goal is to to see His work, God's kingdom expanded, the church built in the earth, and and to discover His purpose for your life. And so money is just a a tool in that way. But God wants you to be blessed in your finances. He wants you to be blessed in that way. He wants you to be blessed in your possessions. This is something that's actually very meaningful to him and you know there's lots of extremes on this talk there are some who obviously who take this to the extreme and they abuse this this uh, the what people call the prosperity gospel uh but they they take it to an extreme they they and so then then there because there have been abuses then there are those who take it to the other extreme that say "Eh, no we can't talk about that kind of thing no 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 and Let's just talk about what the scripture says. How about that? Can we just shine the extremes in man's opinion and let's just look at the word and then I'm just going to bring some stuff out of the word and then you decide for yourself. Is that fair enough? Amen. Just see what, see what the word of God says about it. So, um, because the truth is way too long, we've been lied to about this stuff. Church has been li- lied to. The church has been very ignorant on this subject and, and fearful about it. Not, people have been afraid to even talk about it. You know? Like money is, I don't know what the deal is. I don't know why it's such an issue, except that money really is so close to our lives. You know, and you find out where a person's heart is many times when you start talking about money, <laughs> and you really do. It starts getting uncomfortable. I'm just not afraid to talk about because I know what, what Heather and I have experienced financially in exploring and discovering this God of abundance has been a marvelous thing. I want, I want everyone here living in that. But I will admit, there was one time in my life I personally found these scriptures a bit offensive to me. It almost felt like it was like a heat-seeking missile. Just going around in my soul, finding religion, ignorance, fear, fear. All that stuff. And it found it, and it blew it out of me. And I'm hoping to do the same for you today. You ready for some word? 2 yes. Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. These two chapters, 8 and 9 specifically in 2 Corinthians, have to do with Paul on the subject of finances. And he's talking, actually, to the church about a, a gift, a, an offering that they had committed to a year prior, and now they were coming to collect that to help the poor in Jerusalem. All right, now this is in Corinth, which is in a region called Achaia. Corinth was the capital city of that region, in case you care. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And let me tell you how I first read that as nasally religious Eric Holler. Well, Eric, you know, that don't have nothing to do with physical wrenches. It's all spiritual wrenches. That's what that means, spiritually rich. You can't get your hopes up in that way. Well, so I had to de- dig a little deeper. You know, I had to kind of push past that and get down into the Greek, actually, and figure out what... The word rich here actually means, and we just see rich here and and basically has one idea in our language, but the Greek has something to say. The first definition is to be rich, but it also means to be increased with goods, to have abundance of outward possessions. That's literally what it means. So let's read it as it says it in the original. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be increased with goods and have an abundance of outward possessions. Whoa. That's pretty powerful. That kind of changes the game, doesn't it? So you don't get to hide behind religion after that. When, that. when that truth hits you in the face, it's like, oh, outward possessions. Increased with goods. Why? Why is this important to God? Why does he want us to... Why did he make this exchange? Think about the exchange that took place. Jesus became poor so that... See that? That you, through his poverty might be made rich. That is, I'm going to say it again, increased with goods to have an abundance of outward possessions. Whoa. Okay, why did he do that? See, just as much as Christ became sin, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he became sin and you became what? Righteousness. Right? He made him who knew no sin, verse 21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. What happened there? In exchange. He became sin, you became righteousness. He was Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our pains, or borne our sickness and our disease and our maladies and our calamities and carried our pains. He did that. He bore that. By his stripes, he was wounded for that reason, and by his stripes we were healed. So what did that teach us? There's an exchange there. Jesus Christ became wounded, and we became healed. Wow. So far, we're, we're, we're on the winning side of this exchange. Then the scripture tells us in Galatians chapter 3... That Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. As it is written, curses everyone who hangs on a tree. Verse 14 says, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. That's us. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So another exchange right here. He became a curse and we became blessed. And in all those exchanges, another one we found here in 2 Corinthians, he became poor that we might become rich. See how thorough this redemption is. It has to deal with your spirit, your soul, and your body. Every facet of your life, God has redeemed it. God has made a way, a provision for you of abundance. And in this physical realm of possessions and goods, he has brought to you an exchange. Because the truth is, lack and poverty were not here on the earth until sin entered the world. And when, that, when sin entered the world, because Adam sinned, lack and poverty came too. They are not from God. They are a curse. And nobody, that is not in God's heart, nor is it in his plan that anybody would lack. Well, thank you for your enthusiasm, but I don't know about i, I Like I told the earlier service, I didn't write this, but I sure am glad I found it. So why, why is this part of this redemptive exchange? And i have question that. Why, God? And I think he I think it's just there's a real simple answer to it. Because he loves you. Yeah. Because he loves you. He wants the best for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean it's obviously not of God. Poverty or Jesus would not have had to become poor so that we could become rich. Let's go to Luke chapter 4 for a moment. Maybe we can expound on this a little bit more. Luke chapter 4. Now, this this is an interesting moment in Jesus' ministry, in his life of his ministry, because he, he goes to the synagogue. You know, Jesus went to church. He says it was his custom to go to church. Imagine that. If Jesus' custom was going to church, maybe we all should have a custom. of. I mean, you're here, obviously, so you can shout amen because you're here today. But next Sunday, show up again. And how about the next Sunday, huh? Let's make a custom of it. Amen. Amen. Uh, I don't need that. Well, Jesus did. Jesus went, he, he believed in the gathering. Thank you. He, believed, he loved to be in the gathering of people. I like being gathered with believers. You know, you know what I've found? In the hardest times of my life, the weakest times, the worst kinds of times, being in the house of God was the saving grace in my life. Just being around other people just kept inspiring hope in me and having other people that could love on me and strengthen me and pray for me. I found that to be a great help. And, and, you know, the truth is, I'm doing what I'm doing because I feel like I'm paying back to the church what it's done for my life. And all I can do is just give back as best as I can. It's been so meaningful to me. This was his custom, and, and Jesus shows up. Now, they had a rule... The way that they ran the synagogue reading of the scriptures is that there was a a man called the ruler of the synagogue and he was the one who organized the scripture readings he was the one who and so any reader that would come in he would hand them what they were going to read so they would take that book or that scroll they would open it up and the, the last reader had put a mark where he last read and then he would find that mark and then he would read forward All right, this is really interesting that Jesus just so happens to show up at the synagogue this day, and the attendant, the ruler, hands him the book of Isaiah because that's the book they're in during that time. Jesus opens it up. He finds that mark, and then he starts to read in order as they always do. And it just so happened that he reads these words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he goes on to say in that chapter that Jesus closed the book and he handed it back to the attendant and went and sat down and everybody's eyes were on Jesus. And he spoke up and he says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in all of your hearing. Can you imagine of being in church that day? This thing is hundreds and hundreds of years old. This scripture is from Isaiah and Jesus just happens to show up this day and happens to be handed that book and happens to be right there at that mark at that moment to read those words and said today this has been fulfilled in your hearing. So this is not something that we are looking forward to now. This is something that has happened. This is something that has been established. He came to do it and he did it and that work is still in force today. Now look at this. Look what he says here because we got to we have to see what he's really saying. What is the gospel to the poor? This is my question. He became poor that we might become rich. What is the gospel to the poor? Now, I've got some good friends who are in, in um, pastor of the churches, and they, they don't necessarily agree with the things I teach, especially when it comes to the baptism of the Spirit, speaking in tongues, the gifts of the Spirit, or not prosperity gospel, what they call the health and wealth gospel, or whatever. <laughs> anyway, we have a lot of fun debating over these things, but... What is the gospel to the poor? What about the gospel helps the poor? What would he be saying to the poor? I mean, if he's preaching a message, he's in order to preach the gospel to the poor, what does that message sound like? You know, my my denominational friends, they'd say something like, well, poverty is your path to get closer to God. Or you need to just accept this as part of God's eternal purpose. We don't know the ways of God ways are so mysterious and past finding out all of that religious stuff what is the gospel for? because it looks like he's helping everybody else in this list he's not having them cope with being broken hearted no he's healing the broken hearted he's not telling the captives to just grin and bear it no he is setting them free he's not letting the blind just keep walking around blind he is giving them recovery of sight So apparently, the gospel is curing the disease of being poor, the issue of being poor, the problem of being poor. Well, what's the gospel? He became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. You can say it like this, you don't have to be po no mo. That's the gospel to the poor. If God's people would really get a hold of this, if the church really grasped this and stopped... Jacking around with the Scriptures and throwing all of our mixture in it, all what I think and I think, and just let this Bible speak, you know? Just let the pureness of the Word rise up and change us and renew our minds and renew our thinking and fully accept what God has said and what He has done for us. You know what? There wouldn't be any begging for money in the church. I've been in church services where the preacher was begging for money. That's a miserable experience. Anybody here ever know what I'm talking about? You ever been? Oh, I don't recommend it, but you should probably experience it once just so you can appreciate what you have here at One Cost Church. <laughs> I mean, really, it's, I've it's, I, I sat in a church service one time. We, our worship team was when I was worship leader out in West Texas. We were invited to go to this church and lead worship. And so it came time for the offering, and they passed the offering bucket. And so we're kind of like waiting, like, okay, well, what's next? And, and then I see this guy come up to the, pra- the pastor, and he handed him a piece of paper, and, he, and he's, uh, no, that ain't going to work. Let's pass him again. Like, I'm looking at my team like, wow, this is interesting. So they pass the offering again. Kid you not, we wait, we wait, we wait. Here comes the man with the piece of paper, brings it up to the pastor. He says, No. Now, nope. one more time. So they did it again. And then the fourth time, or the, the, this guy came up and shows in the paper, he goes, all right, we made our budget, all right. Now we can move on. I'm like, whew, I wish I could be that bold. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, we, we wouldn't have any of that, trying to coerce people and manipulate people. If you give a $1,000... Your grandma will raise from the dead. <laughs> She'll bake you your favorite cookies. No, we don't have to do that. No, we don't have gimmicks. We have the promise of the word of God. Right. We declare his word. Right. And when people grab a hold of that word, guess what? Everything, the needs take care of themselves. Right. They really do. Nice. Can we go to one last place? 2 yeah. Corinthians. One chapter over, chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Everybody Okay. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. I love, I love the common sense here. You give a little, you get a little. You give a lot, you get a lot. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. I love this. The Apostle Paul says, you know the facts of life. You know seed time and harvest work. You sow a little, you get a little. You sow a lot, you get a lot. But give as you purpose in your heart. And that's what we say here. Just give as you purpose in your heart. We're not demanding anybody to give. We're not under the law anymore. Under the law, they were demanded to give. They were demanded the tithe. They had to pay their tithe. We're not, we're not under the obligation to pay. We're not, we, we're not under no obligation like that. But can we just admit something today? For you to not, to not give is to really say that God's not done anything for you in your life. Or God's not welcome in this part of my life. God's not welcome in my money. God's not welcome in my finances. Okay, well, I said it. This is adult church. I'm in, right? We're to, okay. I just want to make sure. I Talking to big people. But this, I, look at this. Let each one gives his purposes in in his heart. So my question to you is: When it comes to giving, which do you lean on? What do you tend to prefer to do? Sparingly or bountifully. Not grudgingly. This is not grudgingly or of necessity. If it just ticks you off to give, keep your money. Okay? Just keep it. If it's just a burden, keep it. You got the wrong attitude anyway. Or of necessity. Well, we need to do something. Honey, get 20 bucks out of the purse. No, That's not, that's not why we give. We give because God loves a cheerful giver. God, we, and we give because we love him. Because we're grateful to God. We understand that everything in our life comes from him anyway. Every good thing in our life comes from him. Amen. And money's a good thing. Money's a good thing. But look at this. God loves a cheerful giver. You know that word cheerful means? It means prompt to do anything. I love that. There's no hesitation to this kind of giver, to this generous, generous giver, this one who is, is always calculating generosity, just looking for the opportunities to give prompt and ready to act right now i love that i want to be that i want to be that kind of giver and and i'm growing growing in it it's not always easy because sometimes the lord sometimes the lord moves you to give something that you thought well why are you touching that how come you got to be messing with me there i can give this or this or this because he doesn't want anything between you and him He's not trying to take from you. He's not trying to hurt you. He wants your heart. And if there's something between you and him, most of the time you'll find it when it comes to giving what you're willing to give. And I heard an old wise man say years ago, if you can't give something away, you no longer own it. It owns you. I don't want anything to own me. You're Willing at any time to give anything. But you know, I've seen any time that the Lord has moved on Heather and I to give something sacrificially, God has always blown our minds on the return. And I'm here to just tell you from experience, you cannot ever, ever, ever outgive him. But you can have an adventure trying, but he won't be mocked. Because whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. I'm almost through. Verse 8, and God is able. Say, God is able. Now look what he's able to do. Look what he's able to do for those who are prompt and ready to give. That prompt giver. God is able to make all grace abound towards you. Now, is the you that's here in this verse the you that's in this room? Because it wouldn't make a connection. If if you only see you as these people, then you can kind of separate yourself from this. But if you see you as you, now it becomes personal. Now you can get involved in this. make all grace abound to you that you having all sufficiency and all things may have an abundance for every good work. Does that all sound pretty good right there? Yeah, that sounds good. It's a mouthful, that's for sure. He's able to make all grace abound toward you that you have always having all sufficiency and all things may have an abundance for every good work. My God, why did he say it like that? The word abound means to exceed a fixed number of measure, which means nothing's impossible with our God. that you having all sufficiency. If you happen to be taking notes, I encourage you to write this down. The word sufficiency, what the definition of this word sufficiency here in the, Bible scripture, in the Bible definition, the Bible dictionary, if you will. The word sufficiency here means a perfect condition of life in which no aid or support is needed. Whoa. A perfect condition of life in which no aid or support is needed. So look at this. God is able to make all grace abound to you, that you always having all sufficiency, that you having a perfect condition of life in which no aid or support is needed in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Whoa. I like that. May have an abundance for every good work. What does this verse say? This is the blessing of Abraham, reworded. I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. All this is available to you. All This is my ability. This is my willingness to those who have nothing between me and them in the way of giving. And you'll have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed to the broad, dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now this is who that's talking about, the prompt giver. He is you and I. He. Uh, this is a direct quote from Psalms chapter one, twelve, verse nine, talking about the lifestyle of the righteous person, and this is what that looks like: disperses abroad, gives to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Wow. Verse ten. I'm almost through. Verse ten. Now may he who supplies. Now he who is he who supplies. Huh? God's the one who's supplying. It's capital H there, I think, isn't it? May, now may He. Heat. <laughs> Hang on, let me get a drink of this. Maybe I shouldn't be drinking that. This is more caffeine. Now may He who supplies seed. You see what he, You see who's supplying it, and you see what he's supplying, and who He's supplying to. Who He's bringing the supply to? Who is the seed going to? The sower. God supplies seed to sowers. Are you catching this? He supplies seed to sowers. So you can't expect supply if you're not willing to sow. You can't expect it if you're not willing to give it. Oh, this is good. See, this is the thing about being rich God's way and being rich the world's way. The world's way of being, becoming rich is through accumulation of stuff. God's way is through giving. Give it, just give, give, give and be ready, ready, willing and able to give anything and you will be rich in that way. Right. You will experience all of his sufficiency, all of his blessing because you're not just a tool in God's hand. Let's not, let's not forget that. God does not just see you as a conduit to get blessings through. No, 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 that's part of it. He wants to bless you and you be a blessing to others. I'm not just blessed to be a blessing. No, I am blessed and I will bless others. All right, he wants you blessed just like he wants everybody else blessed. He wants you rich just like he wants everybody else. Why in God's name did he put gold in the earth? Who did he put it there for? Why did he put these precious jewels in the earth? Why is it here? So that the the heathen can rage? So that the wicked can prosper? Don't think so. Don't think so. But the church has handed it all over and been afraid to touch it, been afraid to talk about it for fear of the love of money, when that actually breeds the love of money. That's the sad part of it. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower, bread for food, supply and multiply the seed. You have sown and increased the fruits of your righteousness. In other words, not only is this doing good here in the earth and helping others, but God has taken account of that in heaven. The fruits of your righteousness. I'm going to read this, these three verses in the Amplified Version, and I'm going to have Faith come up. Right. You can go ahead and come up now, Faith. Yeah. That way they have something pretty to look at while I'm reading the Scripture. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 through 10, the Amplified Version says this. Just listen to these words. And God is able to make all grace, every favor, and earthly blessing come to you in abundance, <laughs> so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, Possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. As it is written, he, the benevolent person, scatters abroad. He gives to the poor. His deeds of justice and goodness and kindness and benevolence will go on and endure forever. it's what I'm saying. You're not only affecting here, you're affecting eternity. And God who provides, provides seed for the sower and bread for eating will also provide and multiply your resources for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness, which manifests itself in active goodness, kindness, and charity. Our God of abundance. Our God is on our side. El Shaddai, the all-sufficient sustainer. The one who has the power to bless you. He longs to show himself strong on your behalf in this way. Will you allow him to? Will you allow him to get into every area of your heart and your life? And just open the door of your heart and say, God, I want you in every, I want you in everything. I trust you with everything. That'll be the greatest thing that you'll ever do. Because the fear goes away. The worry, the stress, over your, that, that goes away when you realize he's my sustainer. He is the one who provides all my needs according to his riches and glory. So I'm not afraid to give anything because he's got my back. Thank you, Lord. Father, I'm asking you right now that this word, Lord, will be sealed up in our hearts, God, and that, Lord, that there are some here today who have maybe seen this as a challenge, and Lord, that they'll accept the challenge and they'll grow today. There have been those who see this as just part of their everyday living, who are very generous people and who love this kind of thing, Lord, that they will increase more and more in that. Lord, there are those who are even struggling here today financially. There are those who are struggling, Lord, in their goods and outward possessions and I hope that I've represented you well in what you can and will do for them, God, so that they will reach up by faith and accept this word so that their situation, their circumstances can begin to change by the one who has the power to bless them regardless of their circumstances. Thank you, Father, for being peace here now and for help. That your grace and peace would be multiplied to them in Jesus' mighty name. I preached um, this series a few years ago on a Wednesday night and decided to bring it on Sunday morning now. But a few years ago, uh, Faith, when we were in this, she wrote this song. Uh, what's the name of it? God of Abundance or El Shaddai. God of Abundance, yeah, or El Shaddai, the Hebrew, one of the Hebrew words for God. Um, and she wrote this song. So I want her to share this with you and then we'll be dismissed today. But just sit and just be ministered to. Let her just bless you with this song. And let the Lord minister to you. Amen? Go for it, girl.